Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. Well, I'll wait till you're. Hi, welcome. Hello. Well, oh, wait, which one are we looking at? Hi, welcome to a brand new episode of But Am I Wrong, a podcast where two gorgeous supermodels get on a mic and uh, also a figurative soapbox and talk about how they're not wrong. It's Rapunzel. Duh. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. We're dumb. Yeah. I was like, she got really long hair that she like lets out. And I was like, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. Let down Rapunzel. your hair. I forgot that it is an iteration of Rapunzel. But we didn't go to sleep till 4.30 in the morning. And it is 4.40 p.m. right now. So. Oh, my. God. Wow. Yeah. Look at those bookends. I know. So also. It's okay. We're a little. Isn't it like an iteration? It's like not like the most obvious Rapunzel because they would have called it Rapunzel. Yeah. What's Rumpelstiltskin? Every time I hear Rump, I know what Rumpelstiltskin is. Still, still Rumpelstiltskin. Isn't he the one? Some with a spindle. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's there, but but I don't know what it is. I think of just like a rumpled foreskin when I hear that. I think that's what he looks like. Yeah, he looks like a thumb. Uh huh. With some crinkles over it. I think I learned about that or heard that, watched that, whatever medium of content that is. The same time it was King Midas and the Golden Touch. I don't know what that is. That one is way cooler. It sounds like. The Midas touch, as in the car place, the place you go. Get that's your- what I think it's based off of. <laughs> and King, right? King Midas. I might be saying it wrong. No, King Triton is from Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. King Midas, he like has this curse that was supposed to be a gift where everything he touches turns to gold. And oh. it's like, oh my gosh, look all these riches. I touch this, it turns to gold, it turns to gold. And it's like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then it's like, but he can't touch his kids. He like can't hug anyone. Like there's all this. And it's like, you have all of the riches in the world. But you're poor without love. Wow. And then I think at the end, he like accidentally like hurt his daughter's like crying or something. And I think he like goes to wipe a tear and she turns to gold. Yeah. That, there's a picture of him holding a girl. And I think I that gold. was the same time as Rumpelstiltskin. And I connected much more with. I don't know why I've never that. heard of this. I don't but, know why I then, know so much about it. But like, I think it's like really interesting that like Midas the car place. That's mm-hmm. where the Midas touch. I just need to know if there was a movie or if, like, this was a story that I heard. Like, why have I latched onto this? This is another, you know, let's add to the list. Mesopotamia, Princess Diana, Mm -hmm. the Titanic, King Midas and the Golden Touch. The only things I know anything about. That's it. Like, the rest of my brain is just white noise and static. Maybe I had a book. Wait, there's something called Rabbit Ears, King Midas and the Golden Touch. Is it a book? It's a movie. Mm, that's not ringing any bells. I can see it so beautifully, like visually. And if it wasn't a movie made in the last five years, what I'm envisioning would have been bad CGI. And like, I don't think that's what it was. So I think it had to have been like I had a book. Michael Caine and Dennis Hopper were part of this narration. 
King Midas book. Yep, I had this one. The first search result on Amazon by Charlotte Craft. What's up, Charlotte? Illustrated by KY Craft. Mm, related? I would think so. To the jelly or to the Miss Craft or to the cheese empire. That I am a part of. What? You didn't know I was part of the craft empire? Here's the thing. Like, I know you're joking because I know no, your face. No, I'm not. Wait, who's a part of the craft empire? My mom was an exec for craft for like 25 years. Why is we still, everything of course, have stock in, in Arkansas? This is what's in Arkansas. You know I've moved. That's why I moved hold around up, so up. much. Hold that's why I moved up. around so much. Hold up. So you managed to tell me that you grew up with the Tyson family. You are a part of the craft conglomerate and those things are not related? No. Your parents just like went where they, where, that's, where the, yeah. that's. We, like we, she, that's like my mom had that job from when I was little until I was in ninth grade. And that's why we moved around so much. And then we ended up in Arkansas. I mean, everyone that sells something in Walmart does have like. An office. An office in Northwest Arkansas. So, wow. I mean, that's why it's there. But yeah, that's why we ended up back First there. of all, to be like, if you're going to be surrounded by like the heirs of anything, like I think the heirs of Walmart brands is like the, you need to write a movie about that. everything. No, but that's like such a niche of like a niche kind of wealth. <laughs> that's like. Imagine, like, you have, like, the gossip girl, like, oh, this is, like, an oil heiress or whatever. But, like, I love that. Like, a bunch of, like, really fucking rich people who live in Arkansas. You should write that. That's what my soap is. Well, I'm really happy for you, and I... They own everything. It was General Mills and then Philip Morris, and now it's Kraft International, I believe. Mm. International Foods. But they, I mean, post cereals under there. What's Heinz under? Heinz, I believe, now is under that. But it wasn't when we were part of uh -huh. it. So if you have any pull for uh, green ketchup, I think you should use it. I don't want it. I told you that stuff looks disgusting. <laughs> That's what I want for my birthday. I want you to get it. No, I don't. My Please favorite don't. was uh, Taco Bell had like the home taco kits, but mm -hmm. that was under craft. Did you have like a craft credit card that you could just like? You just go to the the warehouse that's at the office. Oh my God. You didn't even have to go buy things. I can't Capri explain Suns to you. Are under that that is the niche wealth that I, all I wanted as a kid. Like I, first of all, I was obsessed with people's pantries and people had like stocked fridges. And like my dad used to run a camp for a couple of years for underprivileged, like in high risk. It sounds so weird to say like high risk, but like. At risk. That's the word. Thank you. Because my mind's going to COVID. And like at risk, like youth. And I remember they had like the the big commercial kitchens mm -hmm. to like cook all the food for the camp. And I remember just seeing boxes on boxes of things. And I was like, is this fucking heaven? So the idea of walking into yeah. a warehouse. like Oscar Myers also under craft too. So I got to, that's, I think I told you about how I got to ride in the Wienermobile, right? I'm learning so much about you. You're so yeah. unrelatable. Yeah, like oh. it came to our house. And then all the kids in the neighborhood were like running around. And there's but... some bitch who sells Mary Kay on the street being like, where's my pink SUV? I gotta show up this fucking family. <gasps> Do yeah. I have pictures? No, because you fucking move we so move much. We move so much, we don't have any of our pictures. Damn it, Angela. I know. Wow. I'm just gonna forever picture. Lunchables. I was not allowed to have Lunchables. So you have no, but, first like, of all, I got I to would have all that. I would become friends with you for all the wrong reasons when we were a child. I would have immediately I seen mean, what you pulled out for lunch. I would have had to babysit you. <laughs> Fair. If we were the same age and we grew up together, I would have seen what you pulled out for lunch day one. And I've been there like, 
And if you had beads at the end of your hair, I also would have been friends with you because making I noise do. when you walk. I hate the noise. Oh my God. One of my best friends. I would I I loved it. I loved it so much. I used to be like just and she, we would just like walk along. It felt like a it felt like Even our just own personal thinking about soundtrack. it, like the, the, the sure sensory so much is, too. but like just the sensory of it. Yeah. I don't like stuff. I can't imagine. I don't think I would like it as much now, but we used to joke that it was like our personal like soundtrack walking down sense. the halls. We're also like, I think children. I haven't seen the movie about, I kind of feel bad for saying this, but King Richard. Oh yeah. And I think there's part of the movie where you don't see them yet. But you hear, you hear the beads coming and then you see it. Because you, if you think of like as a kid, I remember you would know like a, te- a teacher's coming down the hallway when you hear like the that, clack, clack, yeah. clack kind of a thing. Yeah. And like it's like your presence is there before you've arrived. Like it's I have arrived. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I would have been friends with you solely because I'd been like, you have Lunchables? If you had Fruit by the Foot? Fruit by the Foot is part of Betty Crocker. Mm. Well, I learn new things about you every day. Sadly, I can't say the same for um, you because I have the same five stories. I can't believe that you didn't, like, I didn't tell you that no, before. I didn't know this. Because huh. believe me, if I've been, like, freaking out that, like, you know, you grew up with the heir to the Tyson, as in chicken, not Mike. I, if I had known that there was craft in your lineage, I would have been like, fuck Tyson. Yeah. Craft singles. Oh, I wanted those so bad oh, as yeah. a kid, too. Still makes the best. I haven't had it in years, but, like. A grilled cheese just doesn't taste the same with any other cheese. I wouldn't know. I know. I had the granola version of all of it, and I still loved it. We had San Francisco sourdough bread. Delicious. I, I know don't you don't like, like sourdough. sourdough. I need to write down that I need to make a graphic of you in a wiener mobile. So let me write that down very quickly. Melissa in wiener. And it played the song when it came down the street, too. My baloney has a first name, it's O-S-C-A-R. It also has a second name, it's M-A-Y-E-R. If it's your first time here, welcome. If you've been before, welcome back. We're so glad to have you on this podcast. We talk about everyone else who's in the wrong because we are never wrong. Right. Unless sometimes for our But Am I Wrong segment, maybe we think we're wrong. We don't maybe. think we're wrong. Maybe we're hypothetically might be wrong in the future. Potentially. Who knows? It hasn't happened yet, but hey. In the words of Justin Bieber, never say never, ever, ever. Can we, I, if you're watching on Patreon, we have the video version here. You might notice that our quality, fingers crossed, is way, way, way up. We've, if it's the same, that means we're using our backup camera here. <laughs> and we apologize for not looking at you at all. Yep. We are figuring this out. We want to obviously up our quality a little bit more, but it's been chaotic to say the least. So we have to stay on top of this. I mean, yeah. we probably can't ramble this episode. Uh-huh. Will we probably still ramble? Yes. But I do have somewhere to go and we do need to keep it tight a little bit. We, we need to keep it right and keep it tight. Uh-huh. We have multiple segments on this podcast. First, we have But Am I Wrong? where we pitch to each other and to the audience current things in our life, a debacle we are having where we are wondering if we are in the wrong or if we are right or we will sometimes choose hot takes. Then we have, but am I wrong, where listeners write in, tell us with their personal situations, if they are wondering if they're wrong in the situation here or the villain. And then finally, but are they wrong, aka Wood of the Week, aka Rachel of the Week, where we nominate someone in um, pop culture, celebrity, politician, someone, you know, high up, someone who maybe has been solicited to join the Illuminati or has just done something egregious enough to end up on like a headline in Fox News. Yep. We nominate them. Uh Uh-huh. And what is one of our favorite parts about this show? One of our favorite parts is when 
every segment that Megan just said, we take it all to a vote. And so then we put them up on Fridays, most likely by Monday, for sure, uh, following the episode of everything that we talked about on the episode. And then y'all vote on if we were right or wrong. Power to the people. And similar to like our American judicial, judicial system, if we're like, why did you vote that way? We would love for you to DM us and let us know. Yeah. Sadly, it is actually not like the American judicial system. Like, I would like to know who you voted for and why. I'd like to have those conversations. Especially, it used to be easier to find out who. Yeah. Internet. You can't see donors, though. Found that out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been looking yeah. up celebrities. Yeah. To go vote, it is on our podcast account, Megan and Melissa. Yes, we did officially get that username. I don't know why when you said that, I was like, that's not the name. But yes, it is. It is now. Yeah. And we always add them to the highlights. You only have 24 hours to vote. We like to know if you voted with the minority opinion and why. If you voted wrong. Always curious because we like to, you know, sometimes share that here. First up was me and my pitch for the people who are anti-damp lifestyle. 1% said I was wrong. 99% said I was not wrong. And then next is mine saying no to someone who isn't respectful of your time or knowledge. 1% said that I was wrong and 99% said that I was not wrong. I like this picture. This was me picturing like on the being on Zoom, being like, where the fuck are you? I like it. Then we have writer number one versus sister's boyfriend who neglects their kids. 1% say said that the writer is wrong. 99% said the writer is not wrong. Did get a lot of messages of this from people who like about the goal is always like rehabilitation of somebody's like going through like a bad time or they're like in an abusive relationship. Like the ultimate goal is to reunite. So adopting and transferring over like signing away parental rights is not really something you can't undo that. And so being like, there's a reason why there's certain protocols in place, but it is hard because, you know. There's a lot of legalese that go into that. And the person that wrote in, it would be pretty difficult for you to get it. It would be easier for like the grandparents to do yeah. it than the person that wrote in. And there's just so many like legal loopholes that then if you don't do this thing that's like really final and like intense, that makes it really hard to like back go back on that a lot of things cannot be like protected in that way and so and then also if like your sister did sign away rights it would they'd still automatically go to the father and i don't think the father's gonna ever sign away the right yeah then the kids could potentially also end up in the system which is as we know (laughs) not great writer number two versus uncle who was oversharing in the hospital and stopped updating 19% said the writer is wrong and 81% said the writer is not wrong. A lot of people wrote in for this one as well. Mm -hmm. And someone did bring up the point that, you know, hospitals can be very isolating and he's probably, you're probably the only people that he's writing to, but yeah, there's still a right and a wrong way about going to do things. That is the point that I had the first time that I agree with that. Like, you know, I don't think he's being malicious. And so coming back at that with like, mean energy it's just it doesn't help anybody yeah my wrong of the week sean bean says intimacy coordinators ruin spontaneity we have to have a talk fam this is suspiciously high for this maybe it's the wording would love to know 94 percent said sean bean was wrong six percent 28 votes said sean bean is not wrong and then we've got wrong of the week mimi israele and her white privilege card 98% said that Mimi is wrong. 2% said Mimi is not wrong. 
I know somebody wrote and you responded to them, right, that I vote that the cops are wrong. That's not what was being proposed. No. And just because like cops are always wrong. That's right. And like, like cop, the, cops are always wrong, always going to be wrong. But that doesn't mean that like what other people do is not wrong. And then if cops they oh, well, they shouldn't have let it pass. And it's like, well, that's they do and they will always. And that doesn't change the action. Yep. Just because someone condones an action or allows an action doesn't negate that that action is bad as in itself. Yep. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. So if you're watching the video, I'm sorry, podcast listeners, for giving this more disclaimer. We've abandoned the, the fancy nice camera. The battery was dying. It just was. It was a lot. It was a lot. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. But We're on a timer today. So. Yeah, we are. So my but am I wrong is a combination of personal life and also a hot take. And it's about reading. I've mentioned this a little bit, I think in like one question, someone did a hot take on my Instagram. But Mots and I had this conversation where Mots and I were talking about, I don't even know what the exact context of it was, but it was like people I can't respect or like this is like, that's like a hard pass, not like deal breaker in a romantic sense, but like, you know, like hard pass, like cannot. And he was, he had said, he was like, oh, people who say that they don't like reading. And I was like, hmm? He's like, no, no, like people who like don't read. And I was like, okay, well, so he's like, but you know, if there's a valid reason, if there's not a valid reason. And I was like, what's, what do you consider a valid reason? What do you consider like a not valid reason for not wanting to read? And he immediately looks at me, he goes, okay, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. I've said it. I realize I'm wrong. And I was like, no, no, like I would, I'm curious. Like, you know, sometimes it's, it's not just like I'm trying to own you, like own you in the, the sentence. It's like, you know, sometimes it's helpful to like unpack like, oh, well, what am I thinking of this? And like, what is this tie to or whatever? Because then we actually like have and a greater understanding and a greater understanding that's not just like good versus bad. It's like understanding why. And he was like, well, I think like a valid reason would be because like you're dyslexic or you have a learning disability. He's like, I don't think a valid reason would be because you don't like reading. And I was like, well, why do you think some people don't like reading? And like, he couldn't understand or like fathom that he's like, and the argument that he had said, he was like, well, you know, it's like about learning things and like wanting to like know, expand your horizons. And I was like, does that rely, like, is that mutually exclusive to reading? Like, can people learn new information without reading books? And what is that? And I think that, I mean, that's, I've had that conversation with people on Instagram before who they're like, no, it's fine. Like, it's just people who say that they hate reading and brag about not reading. And like, this is that they think that they're so cool and not like other girls because they don't read. And who says that? People think that. And I'm like, I also just, just to understand, like not reading is literally looked down upon as you are not intelligent. So if people who have historically dealt with whether they have dealt with being, not having access to parents who know how to read or were able to like help them with lit like growing up because half the time teachers do not have enough time in their fucking day. Like you're supposed to show up to kindergarten knowing how to read. Yeah, my grandmother made this like big poster board mm -hmm. of all the letters, all the sounds and then like doubled up and then made like stuff. And like I went into kindergarten fully knowing how to read. And, and I also want to say that like I did, I learned how to read really, really, really young. Mm -hmm. Like that was like. And that's also a it turns uh -huh. into a problem like yeah that. it could be that you don't have your parents at home don't know how to read or english is not their first language so reading in english is n not coming easy to them so they actually can't really help you with that you naturally can get behind in school you had a bad teacher you're dyslexic you have adhd you have a different like you have another learning disability 
You have a sensory issue when it comes to pages. You have visual issues. You, all of these various things that could be how, how you're, you could have a processing disorder that like is your brain does not ingest that information in that way. A lot of people like view like, oh, well, yeah, I'm not, I don't like reading. I'm not like other people, like blah, 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 blah. When again, that is a group of people who have historically been looked down upon and called stupid, reclaiming it and just being like, yeah, that's not for me. And to have the confidence to say that. And now you're feeling persecuted because you don't think there's actually anything wrong with reading. You think that there's something wrong with those people. And why would they be bragging that they don't read? That's not so cool. And I'm like, well, why would you be bragging that you do read? Nobody is bragging that they don't read yep. at all. You're like reclaiming the fact that like people view you as less than and less intelligent. And so the second that you reclaim that, people feel threatened and need to remind you, no, no, you should feel less than. Mm-hmm. Like you should have these things here. And it just like makes me so upset. It's just one of those things that like I just implore everyone. And like that's what I said to Mott. So I was like, you just unpack why that's like your automatic thought because the only thing you can c- go from, which is valid, it's for all of us, is like your own personal experience. When you really like something, I was like, but look, think of it like food. There are some foods that you were born hating. You were born disliking. There are other foods that you got food poisoning and you could ne- it never tastes the same sense. You could not eat it. There are other foods that you ate, like let's say like you ate and like there was the day you found out like your grandfather died or like your parents were getting divorced. And there are these foods that have like whether like a physical reaction that have a bad memory, a traumatizing emotional memory to them, or this is something that you just never liked. Mm -hmm. And we just have this really narrow sense of like what intelligence is. And we view written media and written content as like the hierarchy, like number one of learning new information. When in reality, that essentially is just saying, even when it's not the intention, that only people with like high literacy and usually predominantly English first language with the privilege of parents who also are the only people who can have a certain level of knowledge that everybody else will never get to that place unless you can do X, Y, and Z. And I just think it's small-minded and silly. And um, I, yeah, I, I think about it too. And like that I loved to read growing up. I read so much. But for me, I know my issue with reading is I can't control when I hyperfocus on anything. But if I'm going to hyperfocus, if I know I'm going to hyperfocus on something, the only thing I know for sure, it's going to be a book. And I'm going to sit there for like 17 hours and I'm not going to get up to pee. I'm not going to move. I'm going to get a UTI. I'm not even being dry. Like I'm going to get a UTI. Like I'm going to get sunburned. Like I'm just not going to take care of myself because I will get so sucked in. And so a lot of time I put off reading and I don't read that much because it's like, it's not necessarily a relaxing situation for me. Sometimes it can be if I'm on vacation and it's like loungy, whatever. But I just think that like the idea that we think that we can know what is a valid or not valid reason for someone to do or not do something is just what, who says that your word is like, like the, the more, most important, like, oh, I can deem what is worth it and what is not worth it in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say that Mott's, I mean, Mott's learned his, lesson and changed his mind before we even got into a conversation because he was like I that. take it he back. didn't even read anything it was because he had a conversation exactly. you can have new life ex- I mean like just to like piggyback off his argument like you can learn things and have new life experiences like what am I going to learn from like just some fictional book about some fake thing that mm-hmm. has no actual reference like living life is more of a lesson than that. But also you can still 
take things away from it, but like you take things away from everything that you experience. And if you think of a book as an experience, as opposed to something that the, is this high intellectual thing, then I think that reframes your and it should be like that because like watching a movie should be the same way, like a TV show, like all of that. And I'm not talking about like for babies. Yeah. Like I'm not talking about for developing brain. I'm talking about brains that are already developed and content that is not harmful on any end of the spectrum for books or for like movies. But we learn new information from not just books, like uh, a YouTube video, a TikTok, like mm-hmm. all of these different things. And we had books for the longest. and we have more people now taking initiative, like young people learning things and like expanding their horizons. Even as like adults, like I'm constantly learning things because they're literally being served to me through an algorithm, which if it was just books, I wouldn't know. Like it's an experience. And also the access that you have from the literary world is a world like cloaked in like privilege and racism and stealing works from other people you can really have a selective, very narrow-minded worldview when it comes to reading books. But I think the great thing about media as a whole is, yes, you have algorithms which are ser- serving you things that they think that you will like, but they're also serving you things based on like people, what your, people your age are reading, people in the location that you are. Like You're able to expand your world. You don't need to know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like both worlds can exist and like neither one is greater or better than the other. And I think people who... I think people who feel like so threatened by people finally feeling comfortable to say that they're like not big readers, they don't like reading, unpack and under like why you think that you are like so much more valued because you read and why you need other people to know that you are. Yeah. So that is my hot take. You could just see the look on Mats' face where he goes, I, yeah, I take it back. Bye. That's what it's like being in a relationship with me. Always correcting. Technically, and here, learning. Yeah. Learning. Might as well be called Professor Megan. Dr. Megan. My YouTube series. Can't believe I never got sued. That's why this podcast didn't end up being called that. Fair. All right. So mine is hot take slash potential. Would I be wrong if I did this? Okay. For this podcast and our other podcasts, we get a lot of PR people reaching out for their clients to be guests on the show. You wouldn't be wrong. I don't even know what it's about, but I'm just saying, I know, I know, I know, you wouldn't be wrong. I don't even know what this is going to be. So I'm a firm believer as like in your, like in your career, if you like see something that, you know, you think might like advance your career, like reaching out to other people and maybe collaborating in a way to get more information or like helping boost who you are and we get a lot of people reaching out to like be guests on this podcast for us to boost yeah for us to boost but also when I reach out to people that I like to connect with I also make sure that I do just like basic research about them about who they are what they believe in and like I also like to find some common ground can I just give right now I'm saying the, how you've set this up, I'm like, did Tommy Lauren email us? No, no, no. Or is this girl defined being like, pod swap? So first of all, just doing the basic research on this show, you'd see that we haven't had a guest on here in two years. Yep. Damn, that's been a long time. <laughs> Holy shit. Which we will eventually yeah. at one point sometime maybe get 
like a guest just on. Don't trust anybody. Yeah. Who we get on will probably be like a friend. Yeah. And I'm like, why aren't you researching? And also our podcast, because we do deal with a lot of like mental health things. They, it's in the mental health category in podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so we get a lot of um, pseudoscientists reaching out to be on the podcast. I want you to think of everything that a certain television doctor that is running for Senate. Is that what he some Yeah, he's running for Senate. For Senate in Pennsylvania. He is like his entire existence is so embarrassing. Yeah. So think about all the segments that he ever had on his show. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of things that people reach out and ask to be guests on because they're like, quote unquote, experts in that field. And they think that they 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 just love our podcast. That's what they say. All of them. I just love your podcast and I would like to be a guest on your show. Or I think that my client would be an excellent guest on the show. You want to set someone up? Not necessarily set someone up, but that's that's half of it. So that's one half of it. And then we also have other people that reach out all the time asking, uh, cold reaching out, saying like, hey, can I um, edit your show? Can I produce your show? Things like that. Again, if you, if you're interested in maybe editing or producing a show, maybe you should listen to the show and see who produces the show. You know, also, you can't cold reach out. You can cold reach out and ask, "Hi, are your team looking for any uh-huh. additional editors?" No, no, no. You they want to take over the whole production. But you process. also like, can't come to be like, "Hi, can I produce your?" First of all, a pro- a producer title is a desirable title. Like no one's like you're a, something that is currently happening uh-huh. doesn't need a yeah. pr- producer. Uh-huh can't produce something unless it, you can't nothing can't be out unless it was produced uh-huh. oh my god uh so my thing is would i be wrong if i started because a lot of them i just say you know we don't want guests yeah or no we're not having we don't have guests on the show or the ones that offer production services i say we do production in-house like we don't need your mm-hmm. services so would i be wrong if if i responded back i know what you're gonna say so um this yeah. is more for everyone else would i be wrong if i said no Shut up. <laughs> have you ever even listened to an episode of the show or at the bare minimum read the description and did a quick google search of the host yeah I don't think there's any other option. I think that is phenomenal. Perfect. Wonderful. (laughs) I think you should do it. Because both of those things are insulting. Yeah. Like, PR emails do not have to be, like, a piece of shit. And if they are being a piece of shit, and you have to send as many as you possibly can, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. But also, like, you're being a disservice to your clients as well. Yeah. And I'm like, if you're going to be, if you have too much work to do, and this is like an overload on you, I am so sorry that you cannot insult me in the process. Yeah. And then it's even funnier, like the ones for don't blame me, because they'll address it to both of us. So I know that they've at least, because I'm not listed as like a host for don't blame me. It's mm. just you. So I know they've at least read the first sentence of the description. And they got enough information. Yeah. Ready to send an email. <laughs> that's obnoxious. Is there anyone specifically that's coming to your mind who's recent? There's so, We like literally get, get like 10 to 15 a day. Yeah. The amount of people who are white people who are like hearing, I am an expert in Chinese medicine. I'm a recent UC Santa Barbara grad. I am 24. Huh? 
I'm currently in chiropractor school. Huh? No, never once listened. Not one. Not at all. Can we go back to when people were just pitching bitches from The Bachelor? Like, remember that? Yeah. And we have had someone from The Bachelor. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But those are people that I watched on. I mean, when I stopped watching and then they were just random people. Also, you bitches that use our email addresses to sign up for free shit. (laughs) Dude, I just... If you are one of those people who works in PR and you send smart, thoughtful, and direct emails to people where there's like actually making good partnerships and vetting and doing all of that, you deserve a raise because your coworkers, I know you think your coworkers suck, but I'm telling you, your coworkers suck even more than you think. Like I've worked with like my publicist who I don't work with all the time, but like I work with when I have like something coming out. She's the best. Like, she's so great and she's so on top of that shit. And I watch and I see these emails. I see these emails in my own personal inbox for shit. And I'm like, I hope to God these people are not making as much money as you are. World Sexual Health Week is September 12th to 18th. The perfect time to discuss women being better. This is discuss helping women to be better, enjoy physical intimacy and pursue a healthy, vibrant sex life. This person blank, blank, a Harvard-trained physician and sexual health expert. So they go into all these things, talking about helping women who suffer from vaginal dryness and decreased vaginal lubrication. They want an interview, and and neither one of our shows are an interview shows. And then they also, like, bring up five areas of libido that they can discuss on our podcast. You did no research. I can't. I I just think that at this point, there are so many interview shows that everybody assumes every podcast is an interview. And assuming that, again, it's a disservice to your client because now you've wasted time time where you could be reaching out to someone who they could actually be a guest on. Mm -hmm. But because you're sending out so many emails, you're going to get marked as spam. Yep. Story pitch. We don't do stories. You know what? I think that this actually takes the cake with what I dislike more than people pitching themselves when they message. Because at least, you know, they make sure that they... And also, like... This one says, Dear Colleague. And it's for somebody to promote a movie. Give me money. But no, not for free. Nope, this is to interview the person, somebody that's in the movie. Oh, my God. If but you... they use the big star that's actually in the movie that we all know. And then this is somebody that's like barely in the movie that they're pitching along with it. I mean, oh. like if she wanted to come on, yes. Oh, but I, I, I've <laughs> right. got, I've got a one degree of separation from like a whole slew of people. I know a whole crew, and I've also been told that we would like each other very much. I think so. This is also just like it also looks so bad on your clients too. Like mm-hmm. if I was the person they're pitch- like I would be mortified. And we've yep. also gotten people who've like offered to represent our podcast. Yep. And I'm like, I've seen your emails that you send to us. And they're so clear that you do not do your due diligence in what this podcast is that you're pitching people on. So, like, why would I want you to represent our podcast? Yep. Dear colleagues. Dear colleagues. <laughs> it reminds me of Meg Salter's Happy Pride Month. Okay. We're sashaying away mm-hmm. deals. Like, I need Meg Salter to do a bit on, like, publicists pitching people. That would be really funny. Yeah, it would She's- be. Mott's like can't like he like when he talks about like watching her videos like I'll show him them and he's like I like need you to turn them off but I can't let you turn them off because like I'm so I have so much secondhand embarrassment because like she's so good and they're so funny but I'm not laughing because I'm just so viscerally uncomfortable and I was like yeah because she's a genius 
a genius. You are not wrong. Let me know if you need me to help you with a template that says, dear colleague, (laughs) fuck off. (laughs) You've literally clearly never seen any of this. Like, do yourself a favor and your clients a favor. Stop wasting your time, their time, and our time by actually listening. Yep. Or just read the description of the show. Look at, see who else they've had on the show. If you haven't seen anybody in two years, that might tell you they don't have guests on the show. You know what I really want to know? Who the fuck is making so much money from publicists? Because publicists cost so much money, but I don't believe that individual, like, lower-ranking publicists are raking in a ton of money, especially if you work at a huge firm. Like, I don't think you are. So I view them as similar to, like, an agency assistant culture where you're kind of, like, hustling. So I don't blame them, but, like, who the fuck is raking in all that money? Because that is so much money. Also, they have this self-importance about themselves. Mm -hmm. And... I know that they're not raking in a lot of money. I think it's going to the agencies, but like they're some of the most unprofessional people that I've been around. Oh yeah. When I have been doing like work stuff and then somebody brings their PR team, they're usually rude. Mm -hmm. They're on their phones their whole time, the whole time when we're trying to do business stuff and they try to act like that. They're like doing all this, like very important things. And I'll look over at their phone. They're playing a fucking game on it. And they, they act as if they are doing you a favor yep. by having their client be on, uh-huh. even though you're the one who pitched to put your client on uh-huh. me. Yeah, it's weird. Like, good publicists are incredibly yeah. rare. Like, yep. incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they cost... I, I don't know they if I can stress so enough to they people. Cost. If you're getting, like, a bare bones, like, a publicist who's, like, relatively starting out and, like, you're not signing on for, like, a long time and they really, really like you... And you're not going to take that much of their time. $5,000 a month. I was going to say six. And that's like they're doing like you're doing. You need it for a couple. You need it for like a month. And Uh it's not that much. Yep. And that's another thing is that regardless of anything that they've confirmed to book, they still get paid that much money. So that's why I think they just show everyone that they're pitching Mm -hmm. to to say, well, I've reached out to all these people but they haven't even put in actual work. They're just sending these blind emails. No, I know people who they're publicists. And again, these aren't like top level publicists. It's about $12,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Like on average, I think it's not average, but the low end, I would say conservative seven and then maybe like 12, but you can get all the way up to like $30,000 a month. And if you're a brand, you can- 45. Yeah, you can get into a lot more. But to be fair, for brands are doing a lot- more usually it's marketing plugged into it where i mean pr is like marketing yourself a lot of it but there's just other things like and there it's more visible yeah well yeah and roi on sales yes and so you can actually see the value Uh in that but um publicists are so fucking expensive and you need to be getting paid more because i individuals because i think you'd probably do better at your job yep all right we're gonna take a break Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, a, a secondary of my package and I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious like it's it's so good i've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and it's it's delicious it's so good and i just i love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like you know medically need some electrolytes but also if you're working out if you're sweating hot summer day you're going to an amusement park you're on your feet for a long period of time all of that um most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need yeah i drink mine specifically when i am working out it's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code blame me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley. And we also received the return of Ellie Black by Yumiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. <gasps> When I tell you that, I was like, sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. And we're back. Hi, how was your break? Me? Yeah. I inhaled one time. Did you exhale? Yeah, when I just said I inhaled one time, then it came out. Mm, perfect. Yep. Now it's time for But Are You Wrong? And that is our segment where you email us with the situation happening in your life, and we will tell you if you are the hero or the villain in your story. So email it to buttamywrongpod at gmail.com. Keep it under 300 words. If you want to let us know your pronouns and other people who are involved in this story, please let us know all of your pronouns as well as ages. We do ask that pronouns is if you want to, but ages. And it's all anonymous. So if you need to include names, use fake names. And first up, I am 29, she, her. My boyfriend is 28, he, him. We've been together for almost two years. I had a ginger cat, Billy, that I adopted over two years ago, and he passed away three months ago. I hope Melissa's, if you're watching the video, Melissa's looking at me like, you picked one about cats. I knew this no, was going to No, I happen. read it. I um, already read it. And yep, 
I, I know. I, yep. Keep going. I tried so many vets to save him, but they all didn't know what happened to him after all the tests and scans. He was already a senior cat when I got him, so I'm trying to convince myself it's his time to go. Billy was the sweetest cat that I've ever known, and I loved him so much, and I still miss him a lot every day. My problem with my boyfriend is that every time I say that Billy was cute, he will always say that he was not cute. He was too fat. That was a dramatic pause because, first of all, most of them I don't even like cats, but like, what the fuck? Okay. This is like so fucked. I like, can't you believe you're still, still being chubby and cute. Though. I know. He had made fun of Billy when he was still alive and I would always defend him. Like, I'm sorry, but the idea that like your fully grown a human boyfriend is making fun of a cat and you have to defend the cat. Like, why are we dating this man? I asked him nicely a few times that he can lie to me or just don't say it because what he said hurts me a lot and I think it's mean. My boyfriend would say that he doesn't want to lie. So the situation continues to happen. And the last few times we had this conversation, I got very mad and we started and I started fighting with him. Am I wrong for asking him to lie that Billy was cute or should I just never bring up Billy with my boyfriend? FYI, besides saying Billy was too fat, my boyfriend did take a good job taking care of my cat. He would help me bathe him and groom him and they napped, to, napped together often. He even took Billy to the hospital by himself when I was out of town. So I think he also loved Billy. It's just his words that hurt. Um, your boyfriend did not love Billy. Like, your boyfriend's like a dick. Yeah, I had an uncle that called my dog ugly, and I went to fight him. I would have, I would too. Yeah. Like, again, we were, I was there for a funeral, so it would have been a little too traumatic. <laughs> but kind of on the nose, though. Yeah. Like, no, this is, we do not speak ill uh-huh. of people who cannot defend themselves. Yeah. Does your cat look like Garfield? Because that's what I pictured. I picture Crookshanks. I don't know who that is. Harry Potter. Guess this I did is... watch, read that one. <laughs> This is, like, so fucked. And this is, like, again, I don't like cats. Melissa doesn't like cats. I I think I'm just not a cat person. I, if someone was like, oh, I only date people who are cat people, I would be like, cool, great, I'm not for you. But I have a friend who is, like, obsessed with her fucking cats. And she'll constantly, oh, my God, look how cute the cat is. And I'm like, oh. And I don't, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to there to placate her. To be fair, sometimes it gets a little, these cats are not dead, by the way. It gets a little out of hand sometimes where like we will be FaceTiming. Thankfully, she lives here now. But we used to FaceTime when she didn't live here. And she would literally just like set the phone in front of the camera and in front of the cat. And be like, look at the cat. Look at the cat. And then finally, I was like, you, I really don't care. I don't care. Like, you just need yeah. to move this out of the way. Like, I love you. Happy for you and the cats. Like, but there is a way to be like respectful. And this to me is not, not only it's not him being just an ass to your the memory of your cat like he's doing this because he knows it upset and he's like doing this to be a dick to you because the cat can't hear him only you can and i hate this thing like well i don't want to lie I, then don't say anything then don't be i'm sorry if you have to lie in order to not be an asshole then maybe you should just learn how to not be a fucking asshole or just don't say anything like you're clearly in mourning for this cat just don't just say anything i am not the type of person that, you know, if I was in this situation, I wouldn't be able to lie to you, but I just would not say anything about your cat. So I would just like, as it was brought up, I would just, you know. I don't believe that though. I don't believe that if like, let's say point per- person who I don't know if they like cats, but I feel like it'd be on brand. Allison. I feel like Allison has dog, but like, I feel like she would like a cat. If Allison's cat died, hypothetical cat does she have a real cat okay if allison's hypothetical cat died and she was like oh my gosh he was so cute and then she held a gun to your head and said was my cat cute 
I think you would be like. But why would she hold a gun to my head? But if she was, was a fake if we're, situation. but if we're talking about like actual situation, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, my cat was so cute," I just would be like, "I'm sorry for your loss." You wouldn't offer up a lie. You would just. It would be diverting it. But when it's like, well, I'm not going to lie in in that instance. I think that's the only time that it's fair to say like, oh, well, I when you can hurt someone's feelings being like, I don't want to lie. If someone was like, tell me, do you think this cat is cute or not? I would be like, I don't want to lie to you and I don't want to hurt your feelings. But I only think that works if that is your response before you've said the thing because you're like trying to not hurt someone's feelings. But I don't think that like, after you say something assholey, being like, well, I didn't want to lie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you don't have you still don't have to lie. You can still go about it in the same way without lying. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're not holding a gun to his head. Yeah. Like, he can say so many other things. Like, I think the only time you're saying, like, I don't want to lie about it is if you are asked a direct question and you know that the answer is going to hurt someone else's feelings. Like, that's not what's happening here. But don't ask me the question. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. I'm like, yeah. so if you're asking the question, I I think that you want your feelings to get hurt. Yes. And then I'm going to let you know, I don't want to lie so, to like, you. Do you want she, me to hurt your if feelings? If she specifically said, the writer, I love my cat so much. Do you think my cat is cute? That's it's the cute only, to you. And that's the only time that he should be saying, well, I don't want to lie to you. Yeah. Because you're asked a direct question in which the only response and only answer and they're not, she's not taking, like, you're not taking, like, the, well, you know, I know you love the cat. Like, you're literally, like, gun to head, yes or no question. Yes. That's the only time the only where time. you can throw out, like, I don't want to lie to you. Mm -hmm. You can't do that after you, like, throw, like, a grenade at someone and say something that, like, hurts them so much. Or, like, it does that. Well, I didn't want to lie. It's like, well, I didn't ask you to say yeah. that. Or if you're just offering up information, no. But, like, if you ask me directly, I'm not going to lie. No, and I think that's fair. But I think he's using that. As like, that's why I'm I'm just a very truthful and honest person. No, men usually say that because they want to just be, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just really blunt and I'm really honest. And I'm like, mm, no, I think you're just an asshole. Also, everybody has different things that they think are cute. And so I don't think you should hold it against anyone if they don't think that something's cute. But if they're doing it in a hurtful way, mm -hmm. yes. But you shouldn't just like, expect people to have the same reaction to certain things that you do no but i think if you make fun of like something that is important to someone else and they've expressed that they don't like yes. that and you just keep doing it to I me i agree with that that's like a character flaw. literally had an argument with my mom about that because <laughs> i think there's something different between like having a different sense of humor or relating to things in a different way but like my worst fear and I'm not, a, I'm not, I would not say I'm like a big people pleaser in any way. I definitely used to be. And I have since worked to not be like that. Same. But the worst possible scenario is for me to hurt the feelings of someone I love and care about. That's my worst, worst outcome. Like the worst thing that could happen in any situation. I'd do it if they do it to me first. That's what I mean. I'm like, and, and like, if I know that I've hurt their feelings, and it was like totally a mistake. I misread the situation or I thought I was being funny or whatever. Like that eats me up inside. I'm so sorry. I'm never gonna do that again. But there are certain people who they see someone's reaction so negatively to that, it makes them want to do it again. And that freaks me the fuck out. Yep. That's spooky yuki shit. I know you didn't ask for advice, but uh, you're not wrong. Your boyfriend is wrong and you should break up with your boyfriend. And I don't, again, we don't even like cats. Mm -hmm. We're about to, we're telling you to break up with your boyfriend over your cat that's not even here anymore. Yep. Not before though, after, after you break up with him though, you should like do some shit to like haunt him with the ghost of Billy. I wonder... 
I was going to say, did you use a fake name for the cat? I, I'm just going to let you know that I am. I automatically assumed that from the beginning. I, from the beginning, just assumed Billy was the fake name. I didn't even really think about the fact that, like, why would you give a fake a cat a fake name? <laughs> yeah, let us know because I was operating from the beginning that this was that this was actually muffins or something. But yeah, you need to break up with him and then haunt him. You just like to have like a small like like a little like a track that replays over and over of like meow, meow. and then just <laughs> yeah, I'm coming for you, meow. All right, hi Eminem. I am 25, she, her, have been with my boyfriend, 24, he, him, since January 2020. To put it briefly, I have found my person. Even though we are nowhere near to the point as we just finished our master's degrees and about to enter the job market, which here from Italy, where I'm from, is a shit show with your weird, waxy, (laughs) (laughs) with your weird, waxy American sprinkles on top. I can really see myself marrying him and starting a family with him. Prior to being with him, I wasn't at all interested in having children and would say so when asked by family members, to which I would often get the standard and truly annoying, ooh, just wait and you'll change your mind, reply. Since I have indeed changed my mind, there is one family member, 58, she, her, in particular, who loves reminding me that she was right every chance she gets. I find it so patronizing and invalidating of my very real feelings prior to meeting my current partner. And in general, I dislike the notion that wanting kids is just something inevitable that will happen to women. Am I wrong for being mad at this family member who says they knew all along that I would change my mind, even though technically she is right and I do want kids now with my current boyfriend and my current boyfriend only? Thanks in advance. I know this is your mom. You don't have to say it. It might not be. It's giving me Um, aunt energy. And it's giving me like not your mom's or I'm it's giving me aunt on your mom's side energy, but not your mom, not your favorite aunt and also not your mom's favorite aunt. You know? Yeah. You're not wrong at being mad. Again, you're never wrong for your feelings. But also, like, as we say, people change their minds all the time. So, like, at that point in your life, when you said you didn't want kids, you did not want kids. Mm -hmm. But now at this point in your life, you do. And that's specific to you and not a broad notion for everyone. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that this person, 58-year-old person, needs to mind their own damn business and worry about their own whatever is going on in their life. And I would say to them, if you're so smart, how do you not know that Uncle Jerry was getting his dick gobbled every Saturday night at I Hotel have an 8? actual un- Uncle Jerry. So sorry. <laughs> I just it. He died last mean. year. Oh, Uncle Jerry. <laughs> you need you have too big of a family you need to give me a list of names that are cleared actually he's like i have uncle jerome and then uncle jerry because uncle jerome was my grandmother's brother and he's so oh, well that's very good much to do because life. jerome is to me a name that i associate with much younger so i would have not used jerome yeah. as an uncle and then, i mean i, I mean would, uncle jerry was also uncle jerome but because jerome existed long has that name been around well my uncle jerome's probably in his 90s so wow i associate i I guess i just don't know any older people named jerome like i knew like that was like a kid slash teenager name 
I'm so sorry. Do you have an Uncle Wilbur? No. <laughs> I need to find the waspiest name so I should go on that side. Mm-hmm. Wilbur. Okay, Nancy. Aunt Nancy, did you know that Wilbur's getting his dick gobbled every Saturday night at the Motel 8? Like, if you were such an, like, why, oh, you know everything? Like, so you knew that too? Like, that's like my petty ass of being like, oh, like this know-it-all kind of thing. This is like just mad projection to me. So I would probably like retaliate with, you know, some of her shit. The one thing I would not do, and I think is important, that you do not throw cousins under the bus. Well, it's a family member, so we don't know. But let's say if it's an aunt or an uncle or whatever, it's whoever it is. I just have, I'm a firm believer in you can use extended family's own shit against them, but not the kids, not the fucking kids. I think that's when it's like, well, your kid's doing this. And the kid's just like in a corner being like, what the fuck did I do this? But I just think- When you say kids, are you referring to like- children or just like the kids of that family the kids of that family okay. so like if if a kid in that family of any age whether it's like you know has anger management issues or is dealing with like substance issues or recently lost a job like that just is you know yes a result of bad parenting but like we don't you don't need to yeah, yeah, yeah. people of their own shit yeah um, i would specifically point out things to this person that they maybe change their minds about and just keep bringing it up all the time. And the other thing I would say is I think one of the best things to do to get people to stop like doing the saying the same thing over and over again is I would just be like, what do you mean by that? And then ask them. And then like just the continued questions of being like, well, I always knew like, why'd you always know? And if it's, oh, well, you know, just like, you know how women are. I'm like, actually don't. Could you, what do you mean? Like just furthering it. So it's like you're kind of floundering and now suddenly it's not just like a passing statement you get to make and then move on with your night at the barbecue. Like, no, now this is like a dissertation. Like I'm asking for an entire essay MLA format. Like this is just obnoxious. And you're like, well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's like, me neither. Like that's kind of like, I think the alternative to it if you're a little bit, you know, less because I think she might not mean it in the sense that this is something inevitable that will happen to all women. But if she does... She does. She needs to explain that. And somebody explaining something that is factually not true, they're going to slip up and they're going to know that they sound stupid. And she's going to get tired of the, like, think about it when you're like a kid and you're like, but why? 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 Mm -hmm. It's doing that to her for this. But yeah, this is really obnoxious. The only thing I will say is if you had said that you had like never wanted kids before and you weren't interested in having kids that is something that like I think it's just also like so odd because I think there's typically way less people who would want to have kids in a very practical sense if they didn't have a partner that they could have kids with and not even just a romantic partner like a husband a wife or a partner and a romantic partner in general but like even just like a friend that you can co-parent with like someone else like logistically like having a kid is really hard so her thing of being like you just had to meet the right person and it's like well yeah I'm 25 now like of course I didn't want to have kids like I wouldn't have been financially stable to do it and who the fuck is going to be raising a kid with like it's very rare that you are in like the right headspace and the right like financial state to raise a kid on your own that like you want to have a kid regardless of your circumstance like that's not really a thing right so I just think that like I don't want to say that this is inevitable but like her doing this, and this is like, of course this was going to happen. It's like, oh, you mean, of course, a 
25 year old who is like now in a happy, healthy relationship and is, you know, probably starting to have more stability in their career. And just finished their master's degree. Yeah. And is now able to like think about the future in a sense that is like self-fulfilling and like, like, like that is like a, that's not just like academically or financially driven. They might start having like, they might start rearranging things that are important to them. Like, wow. Also, mind blown. 25. Like your brain just, you know, Mm -hmm. fully, it's not even quite there yet, fully developed. So it's like, yeah, I'm not trying to like argue with you that like, you didn't want to be but like I being child free is like a choice that like some people know that they want like very early on but a lot of people like it takes until you're in a situation where you could even fathom the actual possibility of being able to have a kid that opens up a whole other side of your brain that you're like oh actually I could want that but I wasn't anywhere near that at all it's like oh do you want to go to the oh my god why am I doing a geography thing when I don't know where anything is? The Vatican's in Italy, right? Like, do you want to go to the Vatican and you live in Ohio and you have no plans to ever go to Italy? And you're like, well, that's fucking irrelevant to my life. Like, I'm never going to think about that because it's not there. Then suddenly you get your you're end up in Italy and someone's like, do you want to go to the Vatican? You're like, oh, I could do that. I'm here now. Now this is in the forefront of my mind. I like, went there when I was you? in Italy. On your fucking hocation, getting the Italian dick. Sausage, you know, you gotta go cleanse your sins. <laughs> okay, there's a lot to deal with, lots to reckon with. Yeah, I was just there for the art. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now it's time for Rachel of the Week, a.k.a. But Are They Wrong, a.k.a. Quote of the Week, where we, as Megan said at the top of the show, pick someone that was the absolute worst of the week that we've seen across some type of media. I had my fucking pick this week. People were working overtime at being pieces of shit. So I have a lot. Okay, so I would like to nominate Governor Newsom. What did he do? Oh. He's been on a good roll. You know, know what happened. Just know for everyone to let me give a really explicit context for why this happened before what I explain. So just know that he is up for re-election in November. And if you are unfamiliar with California politics, he is our governor. And he last year was a part of a recall because conservatives were angry with him and hated him and he became like enemy number one it was you could always hear Newsom and Pelosi or just blah 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 it had a lot to do with the pandemic and stuff being shut down yeah and there were definitely like criticisms that I have of him like during the pandemic but like shutdowns uh were too lenient in my opinion Mm -hmm. where on the other side people were upset because he they thought they were too strict and here we are years later (laughs) 
Yep. Still in the middle. And now monkeypox. So you will notice politicians, and this happens like across all states, but politicians, especially Democratic ones that lean, he's very Democratic. I would not say he leans more liberal than that. They tend to appease their conservative or middle ground constituents before they appease their progressive ones before re-election because they know that liberals will continue to vote for them, but they those middle ground voters are the ones that they want to secure. So you might notice politicians who get like a little bit more conservative before. So Newsom has vetoed the bill for safe drug injection sites in three California cities, including Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Oakland. Why? Why? Because, oh, this is great. So uh, this was like a bill that would have allowed San Francisco, Oakland, and Los Angeles to open supervised drug use sites in an effort to curb the state's rising opioid overdose rate. Basically what these are, if you're unfamiliar, they're they're in New York, they're in other places in the United States. I think it's honestly mostly just... Uh, New York, and there's some other cities. They're also in Canada. And what they do is they are safe injection sites that have needles. They also have like clean drugs there. And they have people on call to watch people as they are taking their drugs to prevent overdoses in New York in the span of like two months of it opening. They prevented over 150 overdoses. And it's making sure that these people are not overdosing alone on the streets. They are not injecting fentanyl. They're not getting things that are not clean, that are not ready. They're not using unclean materials. And that they are also, when they're there, that there are so many resources for getting help. And a lot of people who are in active addiction, the misconception is a lot of people are living their best life in active addiction. And this is something that they want to do. But for most opioids, you can't stop. You will die if you stop. You have to detox. And a lot of people have to maintain using, not because they want to, but because they have to. And they're not trying to kill themselves. They're trying to do the exact opposite. And so being able to have a place where you can go that is safe to do so is preventing needless overdoses. They can intervene. And again, they have intervened. They've saved countless lives. And also they can provide like resources. There are meetings there. There are psychiatrists. There are therapists there. There are counselors. There are so many like rehab flyers. You can coordinate things like you can help people get into halfway houses. You can also help people get into rehabs. Like it is like a hotspot mecca for people who are dealing with current substance abuse disorder, getting some actual help and not just kicking them out onto the streets and saying, stay there. So... This was Senate Bill 57, and he decided against this just hours before the legal decision to veto, which I just think is like the most fucked up. Everyone's waiting, refreshing to seeing what he's going to do. And instead of signing it, he called for the he called for the Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Mark Gailey, to join with the city and county officials to study minimum standards and best practices for overdose prevention programs. It has been studied. This is it. And I just can't imagine how infuriating people who work in this space must feel that like this has been something that's been around for a really long time. Like this is not a brand new thing. This has been working in these places and it has been studied and proven to be truly the only effective thing against the active opioid crisis we have right now. Like taking opioids, like having doctors not prescribe them as much. Sure, they're still on the streets and like actually having people on the streets being able to be there and help is the only way we can deal with like the issue at hand, not just, oh, well, preventing future people from doing this. So people who are against these call them legally sanctioned drug dens. And it's supposed to conjure up images of opium dens or contemporary crack houses where drugs are being sold and made. 
Uh, the bill received broad support from public health groups like the Drug Policy Alliance and California Association of Alcohol and Drug Program Executives, who also like co-sponsored this with uh, Senator Scott Weiner in San Francisco. Weiner, Weiner. And in a letter to Newsom on August 1st, members of the Senate Republican Caucus called the bill a distraction from the real need for state-funded and operated effective drug treatment programs. Fueling the drug, drug epidemic with drug dens and needle supplies is like pouring gasoline on a forest fire. It merely worsens the problem. And so Newsom said that he's concerned about the operation safe injection sites without strong, engaged local leadership and well-documented, vetted, and thoughtful operational and sustainability plans which is just a flowery way of saying the exact same thing that Republicans are saying, that like, oh, well, how is this going to work? I'm sorry, you got a bill. Read the bill. Read all the information that you've been given. Talk to your other, talk, talk to the other fucking senators who have co-signed this bill. Talk to the, like, the, the drug administration who has also co-signed this bill. The unlimited number of safe injection sites that this bill would authorize, facilities which could extend, exist well into the latter part of this decade, could induce a world of unintended consequences. It is possible that these sites would help improve the safety of the urban areas, but if done without a strong plan, they could work against this purpose. No, no, that's not what happens. Like, it's just so fucking funny. He's open to a truly limited pilot program with comprehensive plans for sitting operations, community partnerships, and fiscal sustainability that demonstrate how these programs will be run safely and effectively. And it's just really fucking annoying because... This is just a softball pitch, like an underhand pitch to the Republicans to just be like, look at me, look what I'm doing, because everything's wrong. Like there are so many peer reviewed studies on this. Like this has been co-signed by all these other people. But like also, sir, you, you have been delivered an immense packet of information on how this will work. And what you are doing is claiming now that there is no there is no real outline. There is no engaged community behind this. And like there is no research and conclusive evidence done on this when there has been. And this will, California is a huge state and this will set a precedent for other states to not do this. And it's just idiotic to be that much of a fucking like scum that you want these middle of the ground voters to vote for you, that you're going to just say fuck it to this when our city and our state like Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Francisco, like this could save so many lives. And there is blood on his hands for this. And I just, there's not like addiction's not pretty. And it's never going to be this brand new thing we've never discovered, this like amazing squeaky clean thing that makes you less uncomfortable looking at people who are going through active addiction and makes it like glamorous and dressing it all up to this perfect little bow in this package that makes you feel like a good person and that completely eradicates the problem. Like that's not gonna happen. It's messy, it's sad, it's really uncomfortable. And if we keep ignoring this problem, we've been doing this for a really long time. And statistically by the numbers, we're, we don't have that much longer to keep ignoring it before Every single, like at this point in my life, like I operate with, I assume everyone I know has lost somebody to an over, whether it's fentanyl to an over, like something like I assume that, but at this point in life and the notion that you are going to stop the only thing that has seen actual positive change in other places, you're going to stop that. That is like the biggest fuck you in the face to anybody whose family has dealt with, like who've personally dealt with addiction or whose family members have. Like our medical system failed us. They dished out opioids without 
any, like just fucking willy nilly free will. Like so many people got hooked and now so many people are dealing with this. Mm -hmm. And it's not like this. I don't know. It just like makes me so fucking mad. And all of these people who are so against this, I implore you to do some more fucking research about this because like I'll even see people who like film people who are like clearly dealing with addiction on like the streets of New York and they're like classic New York. And I look at their pit profile and I go, you do coke on the weekends. You think that coke isn't cut with fentanyl? You think that one day you're not gonna have too much fentanyl in that and then suddenly you're gonna, next time you're gonna do coke and it's not gonna be enough fentanyl. And then do you think after that you're not going to go seek out that more and more and more? Like, no, no, no. You are far closer to that than not. And like you see this person and where they're at now and you're like, could never be me. You have no idea how they got there. But most likely for the, they most likely were prescribed some painkillers after an operation or after something else. And they had undiagnosed mental health issues and could not get the support because their insurance wasn't helping them cover it. They're taking these pills. They're helping them feel better. And then guess what? Even if they're not even feeling high, the second they stop taking them, they feel really bad. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily even getting high, but then they take more and they go into the streets and buying more. Like it is just like, we've seen this happen. And the fact that like, even what's that movie, the opioid crisis movie that just came out? Like the way that I've seen people talk about it online is as they think it's they think it's if they th think it happened like a hundred years ago and it's not still happening. The crime of the century. No, I don't think so. Dope sick. That's like oxycotton. And people like talk about that on Twitter as if this wasn't like something that just happened. It still happened. That's like it, like this. I mean, did you see how the settlement? Yeah. Yeah. And like those families, it's not enough money. It's never going to be enough money. But like the issue is, is that like we've known this, like we've known this for a long time. And I like when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, they tried to prescribe me like Oxycontin. And it was like, no, you can't do that. Like she's only taking this, that she's only taking this and it's a small amount. And like, we're going to call back for that. And I know kids in high school who got hooked on Oxy from their wisdom teeth surgeries. And I'm just like, so disappointed that like you could do something that saves people that like, this will save your friends. This will save your friends, kids. This will save your kids. This will save your parents. Like this will save everybody at this point in your life. And there's no way that Governor Newsom's at this point in his life where he does not know. Maybe he doesn't know personally. Like, there's no way at this point in your life that there's not somebody who has a relationship with you who maybe hasn't told you that they know some who have lost somebody. But like, this is a slap in, like to everybody. And again, like, while we continue to do nothing, eventually it's going to happen to everyone. Yeah. Like, and it's just, oh my God, it just makes me upset. And I just... I hate when I get mad at him because like it feels I, it feel I do feel kind of similarly to that with like the Biden thing where I'm like, I don't want to give conservatives ammo to be like, yeah, fuck him. And I'm like, no, for a different reason. It's why mm -hmm. you like him. I hate him. Yeah. And it just like pisses me the fuck off. So that's my Rachel of the week. Newsom. And I no longer think you're sexy. All right. So mine. Rachel of the Week is New York film critic slash daughter of New York Times editor. Thank you. I was trying to look for who it was because everyone said nepotism, baby. I'm like, I see it. I see it in the face, but I couldn't figure out who it was. Mm -hmm. uh, Lena Wilson. And so she did a film review of the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Review is a loose term. And gave it a bad term. I mean, a bad review. And then said Amanda Steinberg sent 
her a DM and said, your review was great. Maybe if you had gotten your eyes off my tits, you could have watched the movie. And then Lena responded, hey, Amanda, generally a fan of your movies, but this is sure something. Really wish you well in your career and life. Have a nice night. And then then Lena Wilson posted a screenshot of the DM on TikTok and did like this green screen thing where you stand in front of it and just says this explains itself or something like that. It was a lot of this was just like confusing as to why Lena was doing a lot of these things. And she also alluded to Amanda being Amanda, a queer non-binary person being homophobic. She said homophobia was coming from inside the house. And then another tweet that she posted (laughs) that I will not say because it includes things that are slurs of someone that's not part of the community. They can't say it. So I will not be speaking it. But again, trying to call a man homophobic, then they no longer exist. They're deleted. They those tweets for anyone. I would recommend people to look it up like it's wild Mm -hmm. and the way that they're formatted in a way it does not explicitly say it, but it does. If you're not have great reading comprehension skills, it does kind of make it look like Amanda said those things and did not. And then Lena said, while she had posted this screenshot and was standing in front of it, said, I don't want anything to come of this even though she posted it on TikTok when Amanda had just sent a DM, like it was supposed to just be private. And then Lena posted it and said, like, I don't want anything to come from this. And then she like conveniently left out on this TikTok that she had said in her article, again, loosely based article. uh, I mean, loosely, you know, call this an article or review that, the film doubles as a 95-minute advertisement of cleavage. And then Lena also said that Amanda has more social power than her to think that it's okay to do this. But again, Amanda DM'd her and didn't post this publicly. So who is using social power, like actual social media power to bring existence to this? And then Lena then goes on, goes through her comments and is responding to this and saying that I feel like I should post this to hold them accountable. But it also really seems like she might be going through something. So truly wish the best. So Lena really was like concerned and like for Amanda's mental health, like which we don't speculate on other people's mental health then why did she post it to begin with? Hmm, Are you wielding some of your social, Hmm. quote-unquote, power that you don't have? And then she also posted, I would never objectify anyone in a review. And she said that, not saying that she had said what she had said in the article about it being 75, what, no, 95-minute advertisement for cleavage, in which was on a New York Times article that most people have to pay for to even see if you're over your article limits for the day. So then Amanda posted a video and said, great review, reading the tweet. And then they went on to explain that they thought it was hilarious because like, they sent the DM because both Lena and them are gay. And then Lena's whole TikTok is now miraculously gone today. 
But see, I was looking at her TikTok yesterday. And she posted, you know, just randomly a review, quote unquote, a review of a movie. And I don't think a lot of people saw this, but I did see it. A movie review of a movie that came out mm, over 10 years ago called Jennifer's Body. Where Megan Fox plays like a cheerleader that, but that's like a succubus. It's in the same genre of what this body's 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 mean. It's slightly different though, because like it's actually intended to be like the reclaiming of like the feminine body as like that, where like body, like one was just a body existing, one where like the body was the character. Right. And then like in Jennifer's body, Megan Fox's cleavage is out the whole movie the whole movie the whole movie also in bodies 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 there's no nudity at all and then lena talked about how she was just getting around to seeing this movie and gave it rave reviews (laughs) about how good it was and the timing seems just a little funny not funny haha funny (laughs) weird to quote another TikToker. Uh, so, um, Lena, why is your TikTok gone? Lena, why is I your Twitter it. gone? I want to see it. Why is everything gone? Where'd it go? This story is, like, baffling to me. Like, to me, this kind of feels like real-life rage bait, where I'm like, I don't, I think you had to have written this with this intention, because... It, it is giving me like Reddit rage bait where it's like you're throwing something out there and like, oh my God, now look at me. It's like, I'm so, it's like someone who like slaps themselves on the face and goes, oh my gosh, you hit me. And it's like, I literally, but I didn't do anything. Like, what do you, it's so odd to me how she can make a comment about, again, Amanda is the only person in that movie who happens to be wearing a tank top, tank top and happens to have boobs. Like that, that's it. Like it's just happens to have boobs. And you're allowed to make a comment on their their cleavage, but when they make a comment on you making a comment on their cleavage, it's like, oh my God, stop. It's like, well, you... You're being homophobic. It's like, so then what were you being? Right. Like, you made a comment on my cleavage, which... On my body. Yeah, and also I'm like, I completely understand their point of being like, okay, I thought, like, you made that comment, and it's, I'm the only person it's about. And so now when I'm responding to you with the same sort of, literally, like, in jest, like that exact message, like it's not aggressive at all, but she's deciding that it's aggressive because she's a black woman. But like, I would say in the same tone, you could have put that like line and it could have been from Lena in the article of being like, or maybe I shouldn't have been staring at the, cle- or maybe, like yep. it's the same tone. Uh-huh. Like there's no misreading of that where I'm like, it's like you serve someone a joke and they serve you the exact same one back to you. With the same energy? Yeah. And then you decide to take it and make a moment of it. So then what was your thing originally? Was it not a joke? Like why I gave you exactly what you gave me back uh-huh. and now it's not okay. Uh-huh. So what were you trying to do? And then what was the whole point of you going to watch Jennifer's Body <laughs> on the same day that all this broke and then posting about it? Came out in 2009, I think. And if you can't see the difference between like someone just existing with boobs and a movie that literally like utilizes intentionally like female, like the the, 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 the female sexuality Mm -hmm. as a means of reclaiming that. And instead of violence against women, using using that to be violent against predators 
if you can't see that, why are you a film critic? You're the like you. I have just been, told you why because that's what I was Daddy, waiting for. What's his name? Daddy Wilson at at Mr. Oh, New York Times got Big Daddy Wilson. She also she also has several videos up that other people have got because now they're gone. But talking about why she's just like a naturally good writer and how everything just comes naturally to her. And she's just really good at words. Like, uh, this is her talking about herself. That is so embarrassing. This is just like, you're so clearly not good at your job. And also, I haven't seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. To be fair, it might not be a good movie. You could have done without a singular sentence. But I'm going to assume that your review was so shitty and so bad that you wanted to rage bait mm-hmm. into getting some fucking attention. And so y- you go after, you you go after, like you go after Mandela. Like it's just so poignantly targeted. And I just think it's like very fucked. And like they also use an example of like, well, Amandala didn't go after any other reviewers and like the, this unlisted all these men. Like maybe there's a reason why. I'm like, did any of those men make a comment? Did, did, what, how would you feel if a man made a comment about that same comment that you made. Okay. That is it for our episode. We hope you all enjoyed. If you did, leave us a review. We would appreciate that immensely. And if you want to write in for an upcoming episode, you can send us a message at butamirongpod at gmail.com. Everything that we said before that segment applies for how to send it in and the requirements. If you are still listening at this point, Go comment on our Instagram. Go comment the hot dog emoji. If you have someone you want to nominate for your Rachel of the Week, you could also comment on our Instagram or for an upcoming episode, send us a message, tag us in something if you see it and you want us to talk about it. We are always, you know, happy to see that. I will say you can stop recommending the person with the initials A-T. Will not be speaking about that person. I don't want to know who they are. I don't want any blanks filled in. I'm still, no thank you. And we will not be platforming any discussion of them because that's like literally what he gets off on. So there's also no debating on that topic. I do. And I said this already last time, but I'm going to keep saying it. Sending me sprinkle videos is a hate crime and I would like you to stop. You will be legally reprimanded. And the ghost of Billy will haunt you if you keep sending Melissa Sprinkle videos. You can send me updates about the pink sauce lady, though. Did you see she got a brand deal? With who? Hold on. You're fucking kidding me. Dave's Gourmet LLC, also known as Dave's Gourmet, a company focused on innovation and food industry, partnered with the chef to help her bring her vision to the market. Oh, well, maybe they have some. The two have decided to enter a exclusive partnership whereby Dave's Gourmet assumed responsibility for producing the pink sauce on a commercial scale under the required food manufacturing guidelines, as well as selling the product to the food service. So, like, she's winning at the end of the day. How do I make a terrible project? I was about to say, do you think this could have been? Like, they ethicalized this scam. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, Dave's I Gourmet. I they're not going to sell, sell for $20. No, well, right now, Dave's Organic Hearty Marinara is $8.99. Dave, if you would like to hire me, a non-professional graphic designer, to help you with your product You don't think they're going design, for just a simple look? Uh, you need help desperately. And I'm here to help you 
if you want some help. Why do I feel like I know Dave? Who is Dave? Okay. Well, we will circle back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.